This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. We are still in Las Vegas here. SHOT Show 2020. This is still the Browning Trail Cameras takeover of the Break Podcast, and I am fortunate enough to have grand champion, world champion, all of the champions, trap shooter, Mr. Foster Barflow here with me today. How are you today, sir? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. I'm just glad to see people have survived this long at SHOT. And I tell people, even if even if you go to try to go to bed early at night, you just you're still suffering from sleep deprivation out here. There's no lack of a. It's you like, jeez, man. And then you got to be up for meetings, and it's like go, go, go all day, and you just stay tired. But it's exciting, so I guess that's why we're all tired because we only keep going. Do it once a year. Make that's it. it. We were talking uh, to some of our other podcast people. Like it is fun because like we spend so much time of our lives together at all these different trade shows. When we get to see each other, you try to actually go see everybody. Absolutely. Just, that's so. That's part of what contributes to you getting tired, but it's all worth it. What I want to start with today is let's talk about your trap season, sir. I think that was a pretty good year for you. Tell us a little bit about how you went through your year. Maybe even throw a few pointers in there for us a while. <laughs> it was a great season, yep. Um, so we shoot, my brother and I, Matt, and yep. um, we shoot ATA competitive trap shooting, play targets. Um, Matt overall got number one at the Grand American, which if you don't know much about it, they throw 2,600 targets total. That's singles, handicap, and doubles. Um, all combined into a high overall. He won that with 25.53 out of 2,600. What? He's pretty good. I couldn't <laughs> throw a hand grenade and break that many. <laughs> <laughs> and I did okay. I, I think I ended up fifth. Wow. Now, when, what time of year is that? Is that a... Because uh, I, I don't know what, how long the season is for trap shooting season. So does that go from, like, March to October? Or? You know, for us in South Dakota, it's a little bit shorter because we got a lot of snow. But uh, Grand is in August. And then... Okay. Um, you know, just the summertime for I got us. You. So it's probably about a three or four month season for you guys where you're like trying to almost go every weekend, I guess, right? Or? Yep, yep. And we try to do a lot of youth shooting clinics, mm-hmm. um, you know, help out how we can. Is there a season title like in that South Dakota circuit that you shoot or how does that work? Um, like for where, they, where you compile stats throughout the course of the year and they say, oh, this is like the tournament champion or anything like that? or Yeah, I mean, so you have like, you know, your hometown shoots, you have yep. the state shoot. Um, you know, in different states, obviously, everyone has their own state shoot, and then you end up going down to the Grand American. That's the big one. That's where people come from around the world and participate in this event. So the local, regional events are the ones where you qualify for the Grand American, or how does that? Is that I mean, there's got to be a process, right? Because like I, they wouldn't let me in if I signed up. I'm sure they would. We love to see you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do a comedy skit when I go out there to shoot because that's what it would be—a comedy of errors. Nope, anyone can come over and shoot at the Grand American. Uh, people are welcome to do so. They just need your entry fee money. <laughs> That's why Foster That's, wants you there. I was going to say, money. Foster's already on the sales over here like, yeah, buddy. Play all the options. We'll Tom. take any, we'll take all. money. Yes, it's green. Bring it on. But so, no, it was, it was a great season. Good. Um, yeah, and I think for singles overall, just to kind of give you an idea, my okay. singles average was a point nine nine four C. Point nine nine four seven, um, and that's out of thousands of targets. Yeah, that's crazy. So on a, a 
Is there a standard tournament setup for those? Like where, like, because I know Grand American or, or things like that are going to have more targets. But like when you're shooting your local regional tournaments, is it like 500 targets a weekend, or, or to kind of get through and decide who wins, or how does that work? That's a great question. So typically, it's uh, going to be in 100 target events. Okay. Um, so you got singles at 16 yards. For those that don't know, you have doubles. That, that, that would be me that don't know. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you have basically with trap shooting, you have five stands. Okay. Uh, one main trap house in front of you. Um, so, like, like I said, you shoot 25 a box, yep. uh, four boxes total to get your 100 targets. Um, and that kind of qualifies as the event. Um, and then, so that's 16 yards for singles. You have doubles, which you do the same thing, except two of them come out, and you have two shots, obviously, to hit yep. uh, both targets. And then you have handicap that uh, basically it's, it's on skill. Uh, you earn your yardage, you earn your way back okay. all the way up to the 27 yard line. And then once you get there, um, you know, and there's different classes and everything. We can right. we can go through that later. But <laughs> I don't guess we have to, to drill down too. too much. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't have to drill down too much, but it's I'm always curious and interested about it because I'm just some guy that like did, took the like little rabbit thrower when you like jump out and throw it across the backyard and your redneck friends shoot it and blow it up. You think you're like, Ooh, I'm shooting trap. Yeah. Heck yeah, that's how we started too. <laughs> and then you go to some of these ranges and you're like, whoa, I don't even know what to do with this. And so. I'm always fascinated to ask some questions like that because last year was like the worst because I was doing a podcast with Robbie Purser <laughs> and I started calling him a trap shooter and everybody looked at me like I had lost my mind like you fool and I was like uh, I don't understand they were like sporting clays uh, I don't understand <laughs> so it's been a learning experience of me for the last year or two making sure I knew a guy I got all that right actually well, let's move on from your, your season. Your season went well. Season was very good, yep. But you also now, for people like myself that are new and don't understand what's going on in some cases, you have a school for people. We do, yes. So, um, you know, we've been doing free youth shooting clinics for the past several years. Okay. Um, and, that, and those are going great. You know, we had great turnout last year for those. Um, for those wanting a little bit more information, yep. uh, trapshootingbros.com. Okay. And so we're starting a... a clinic, school, more personalized, smaller classes, that will get really into the detail and okay. give those shooters that are wanting that extra edge. And, and where will the, where's the school going to be located? Um, so it's kind of to be determined at this point, okay. but um, on the page it'll, it'll be show. in South Dakota though, I mean, you're, you're negotiating with places in, in South yes. Dakota? Yep. Okay. Yep. You know, we might be traveling. I was going to ask, is there any ambition to maybe hit different markets, maybe like I'm making this up, but like Memphis or Dallas, Fort Worth, or something like that. Yeah, if the opportunity presents itself, okay. um, that's definitely in the mix. And then when they come to the schools, are you going to have uh, adult classes as well, or yes. will it will be limited to youth opportunities, or how's that going to lay out? Um, yeah, so we're doing uh, the more uh, limited. The paid clinics are going to be more anyone can come. Yeah, um, you know, obviously it'll be a charge, but um, yeah. that's where we're going to be getting into, like I said, more specifics of everything too, and. I like the way he always circles back to how much he's going to charge you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can come. Here you go. Well, but we do our free ones, too. So that, yeah. that's, we do one it in offsets. Peer. It's balance, right? Not everybody needs balance in their life. Yep. So we do uh, the, the free clinics um, are going to be at uh, Pier at the Isaac Walton. And then we do one at Grandpa's Gun Club in South Point, Iowa. West Wait a minute. I, since I have been in the area before, I know what you just said. Give us a little more definition on here <laughs> well <laughs> like where is that i know because i've been in the area <laughs> all right so if you're not from south dakota there we go <laughs> um everyone from 
<laughs> the rest of the country will call it Pierre. There we go. Where there we go. residents of South Dakota call it Pierre. Like yes. it should be. Yes. <laughs> That's why I wanted the clarification. Because when he when you pronounce it like that, I was like, oh man, nobody's gonna know. They're gonna be like, where's that? I think that's in Panama City. There's a pier out there. <laughs> Go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, we, so we do those two free clinics. Okay. Um, you know, and, and anyone can attend. Um, you know, we obviously try to get as many youth involved in those as we can. But if we, uh, you know, we have parents, we have coaches there. It's a learning experience. Yeah. We want people to learn uh, the correct way to shoot. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, I think it's important because, I mean, I, this isn't a shooting-related story, but it's a quick story about it happens to me almost every spring. I'll be in like one, one a retail store that sells hunting and fishing supplies, and invariably you see some kid that's fascinated by fishing gear, and like you will actually hear their parents verbalizing as the kid is negotiating, but the parent doesn't. I don't know what to buy. I don't know what to do, and so I don't think that's limited to fishing supplies. I think trap shooting and things like that. A kid sees it, he's interested. I think clinics like yours are like an important part of that process of making sure they understand what they're doing, the rules of engagement, like, mm-hmm. you know, where to make sure your barrel's pointed in a safe direction at all times, even little simple safety handling tips like that I think are important. Oh, we got a lot of tips at these clinics. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice. It's it's not just trap shooting. You you can use this for anything, whether it's sporting plays, which you know what that is now. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> I've been educated. <laughs> um, and, and even hunting. Um, you know, yep. these applications will definitely transition into you know all shooting sports yeah and 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 i guess that's kind of a a, an important part of that to mention because man once you start doing that it's an easy transition into a dove hunt or a quail hunt or something like that so i think it's a good uh you know sport to get people started in because it's fun it's exciting it can be quick you know trap 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 Mm -hmm. so you get them interested in it and then all of a sudden they're like "Ooh, i might want to go dove hunting and they're actually good at it and then they have success and then they Mm want to do that and then they want to do quail and any other upland bird species so I think that there, that actually can help us grow the sport of hunting as well. So I think you're right on target with saying that. And as you know, most people, when they get up on a tree out turkey hunting, they're going to line right up with that decoy. Yep. Um, you know, through our clinics, uh, we, you know, talk about turkeys all the time as well and turkey hunting. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, go offset. So basically when that turkey comes in, if you're a right-handed shooter and that bird comes in from the right-hand side, you can still shoot that turkey without having to, you know, try right. to shoot left-handed or get really crazy with spinning around oh i'm the crazy guy i'm the one spinning around <laughs> maybe i can teach you something <laughs> i'm the crazy guy spinning around making a mess of things that'd be me <laughs> and you keep mentioning turkeys you're gonna get me sidetracked in a minute that's all we're gonna talk about <laughs> so what i want to do i also want to talk about the new guns that browning has this year so browning specifically for trap i think you've had the opportunity you demonstrated some uh, range day on monday yeah. And you were able to shoot some videos. So tell us about the new Browning firearms that are like specific for the sport of trapping. Yep. So trap shooting specific guns, you yep. have the 725 Max trap. Okay. Um, that one is going to be the gun if you want adjustability, if you want to be able to configure that gun for you. Yep. That gun's going to have it. It has a high rib, adjustable point of impact. Okay. Um, it has obviously, you know, adjustable trigger. It has a great coil system. For those that don't know, you can really do a lot of adjustments yep. um, where the where the pad essentially sits into your shoulder. 
um, adjustable comb. So it's just it's one of those guns that people have been wanting, asking yep. for a long time, and Browning delivered on that. And that is an over under. It is an over under. Over under. Yep. And the adjustable trigger, like what are the weights? What's it range from? Do you are you do you know that yet or? You know that's uh, I don't know. Yep. Okay, I do I not know. No, that's fine. I, I, it, it, I'm always curious about those kinds of things because like the lighter trigger pulls, which are necessary probably in your sport. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll admit I'm a little uncomfortable with those. I need at least like two pounds, maybe. I need a little more or something like that. So I like a heavier trigger pull is where I was going with that. Okay. Well, I mean, they, they do have the uh, mechanical triggers, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's an upgraded trigger system already. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think that um, pounds per pull on shotguns was, especially on trap, I don't know. Well, that's I know why, you, yeah. you more think about that on a rifle or even your turkey gun. Right, right. Because it's... I don't know. That's why when you said adjustable trigger, I found that like an interesting, like a little bit about a trap shooting gun. I didn't know. I guess it makes sense because if mm -hmm. it's too heavy, then you're probably jerking the gun. And, and, Absolutely. Or what, so what is, whatever you're comfortable with there. Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously a set range. And to be honest, I, I, we don't do work on our own triggers. So right, that's right, right. why I just don't have a ton of knowledge on it. But there are people out there that, were, that work on custom triggers. I got you. And, yeah. Uh, any other of the Browning guns you got to shoot on Monday that are new for trap season this year? You know that 725 Max is probably the one you want to look at. Okay. I know Guns Unlimited is coming out with a combo series with that, so yep. it's going to have the uh, unsingle, so basically okay. the, the, the taller rib for singles and handicap, and then it obviously has the over-under for doubles. I got you. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Now, uh, how heavy is the gun? Because this is something else, like, as I still continue to learn about the the, uh, the the sport of trap shooting and things like that, I'll continue to filibuster here for a minute. As I learn more about the, the sport of trap shooting and the sporting clays, uh, and you mentioned the adjustable trigger pull there a second ago, I'm always curious about those things and how much they matter. Like, you know, how heavy a gun is and when you swing it, like, does that impact, like, the inertia as you go swinging from left to right? And the length, too, right? The yeah. length of barrel is, is pretty important in that. Because I mean, most uh, of our hunting guns, like our turkey gun is, what, 24-inch barrel? And, yeah. Or 26, and then you got 30s and 32 I've seen for for sporting clays or trap. I'm just some redneck, like, trying to power through on that stuff. So I'm like, can I kill a dove? Can I do a quail? Like, that's all I'm usually worried about. So I'm fascinated about these kind of things, like how they impact, like, the trap shooting. So Sure, is, sure. So there's two different philosophies. Obviously, a field hunting gun, you want it to be lighter. You're going to yep. carry it in the field. You don't want to be lugging around this huge gun. Okay. But there's kind of an offset to that one, too. Or, you know, when you get a lighter gun, you have more felt recoil. Um, okay. When you have a heavier gun, obviously, you don't feel as much recoil. When you right. come down to trap shooting specifically, you're going to be shooting a lot of rounds throughout right. the day. And you don't want to have a light gun that you're going to be feeling a ton of recoil and it's going to be bruising your shoulder or anything. So just to give you an idea, the nope. new 725 Max is about 9 pounds. Okay. Um, and so it's it's going to be weighted very well. Um, you know, And overall, that gun is going to be taking, in addition with that great coil system, that gun is going to be taking up a lot of that recoil. So you're okay. not, you know, you can go out, shoot hundreds of rounds a day, come out the next day and do the same thing. That's interesting to me because I would have thought the opposite. I would have, I'm not thinking about getting my shoulder beat to death, but I've never shot 2,600 times either. So it's interesting to know that like the heavier guns, you like you lean heavier because I would have guessed like six pounds or something and I would have been completely wrong. So that's interesting to know. Uh, when you're looking for, uh, you personally like the balance and i don't know if like all, I'm, I'm sure everybody's got their personal preference on the balance of the gun like 
maybe a little more weight toward the front of the gun or, or a 50-50 balance or, or I'm sure it's personal preference but I'd like your preference is usually weight back or you know I just um, just, honestly, just whatever feels good for you, you know, right? Br I guess. yeah Browning has obviously come out with guns that are very well balanced weighted yep. um, they're not too front heavy for us um, it, it just feels good for us yeah and um, so we like I said we don't do a whole lot of uh, changing doing much with configuration on our, on our guns uh, what we do is they come stock to us we might put it on a different pad or something right right other than that you know I, I know Matt puts on uh, some of the cheekies pads yep. on, on his but for the most part we keep ours pretty stock right interesting well that's enough of me being serious about talking trap shooting now <laughs> we'll move on and try to be a little more entertaining here but I did want to be educational because some of that is fascinating to me because like I said I would have gone from I would have totally guessed six pounds would have been like good, and based on what you're telling me, I'd get beat to death if I shot something that was that light. And if anyone has questions, like I said, I mean, feel free to reach out to us on trapshootingbros.com. Okay. I'm always there to answer questions and help everybody out. So on your website, trapshootingbros.com, they can learn more about your schools that are coming up. Yep. They can get more information about your free clinics. Yes, there's there's. It might not be there now, but as they come up, I'm sure you'll have that information available for them, right? Yes, absolutely. Yep, they can sign up on there as well. Um, it's going to be super, super easy. And do you update your tournament schedule on there as we get into summer so people will know what tournament you're shooting in, or, or is that so fluid that it's kind of hard to keep up with? Sometimes? That's something I haven't put on there, but I will now that you suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get people to your website so they can find out what you're doing and when you're doing it. So Yeah, there's about, yep. um, you know, just there's a ton of information. So okay, I, I just recommend people going on there, yep. checking it out, and if there's any questions, getting a hold of me right away. Perfect. Now that we've covered the trap season, let's talk about uh, another season. Let's talk about your deer season first. Because <laughs> I like cause I, it, it. It's like I'm a glutton to pass out punishment because everybody I've talked to this year, it was funny. I would go on social media and I would see all these people killing deer. And I'm like, where are these people killing deer? Because I don't know anybody killing anything because it was a tough year for everybody, as best I can tell. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, horrible for me. I was <laughs> I was super excited, had a hit list buck that I've been watching for the last couple of years. Yep. And it just never happened. I was oh. reaching out to Jeremy and everybody at Browning Trail Cams. Yeah. And now, does it, now did, 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 do you know if the deer made it through the season? He did. Yep. Okay, well, that's good. Yep, I got a picture of him before I came back out. Nice. Or the, out on, to SHOT Show. On that Browning Trail camera. On the Browning Trail camera. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like I needed to get that in. <laughs> no, I started using the Spec Ops. I really love those with with, uh, okay. with the infrared. And yep, I was going to say, so you like the black invisible flash then. I do. Um, it I, just can, I can see that out there, like in South Dakota and some of those bigger territories like you know where there's more land space and things like that you don't want that low glow getting out there so i can understand a, a black flash out there for sure yep and if anyone hunts any public land you obviously oh you know, yeah flashing up the woods so so any of your other hunting seasons go well this year how about your turkey season turkey season went good we uh i obviously do a lot of guiding at turkey tracks first part of the season back half we uh we had fun with it it was a great season got wait a minute you got it turkey tracks out in the out in the black hills yeah how did I not know this? Where have I been? You don't talk <laughs> enough, Tom. <laughs> How did I not know you were working at Turkey Tracks? Yeah. So you go in for the first few weeks there at Turkey Tracks. Yep. Yep. And then I'll go ahead and plug Turkey Tracks. If you want to go kill a Miriam and you want a great experience, because last time, now I did not go to Turkey Tracks on the particular trip I'm talking about, but I had a good friend. He lives uh, over outside of Hewlett in Wyoming. 
So I went and stayed with him, and we did to Wyoming, and then I drew a tag over in South Dakota, so he had some land I could hunt there. But I made that like a 10-day trip because if you go out to turkey tracks and you make your rounds, I stayed a couple days, went and spent a few days in Deadwood. Love Deadwood, love old Western history. Then I went and I spent some time down at the Crazy Horse Park, uh, National Memorial. Things amazing. Like I could have stayed there for three days. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Mount Rushmore. Oh, I did. My cool. Like I tell people, like if anybody ever went to my Instagram account, the coolest picture I've ever taken in my life was at Mount Rushmore because it was like a cold Tuesday morning or something ridiculous like that. And it's between turkey hunts, and I go out there and I'm just checking it out, and I'm thinking it's going to be like an hour long trip. WWE was wrestling in Rapid City that night, and all of those guys, the Miz, Mark Henry, they had all taken a bus down there. And it was me and all the WWE guys. So that was when Mark Henry was still the strongest man in the world. So I got my picture of him making a fist. And we took a selfie with the, the mountain behind us between our shoulders. And so I got Mark Henry making that big balled up fist. And I was like, that'll be the coolest picture I've ever taken in my life right there. <laughs> me and the world's strongest man acting like he pounded out Mount Rushmore with his fist. Yes. Anyway, I got sidetracked, but uh, that, that's where I I'm got at. no cool stories like that. <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting here thinking. That's why I would recommend turkey tracks, though, because you can go experience those things. Man, it's so cool out there. And I'm, I'll admit that I'm a little biased because I have an obsession with, like, Western history in general. So I read all those books about Belfouche and all that area, and I'm just fascinated by all of it. So, anyway, if you get the opportunity, look up turkey tracks out there. It's Fal- a good time. I was going to say, Foster might be, you might be lucky enough to get Foster as your guy, and he can maybe give you a few shooting tips while you're out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you did your guy in a turkey <laughs> track. First, I yeah. get distracted. <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, oh, look at that shiny little object here. So, you, you got there, and then obviously i don't guess you get to hunt while you're there other than doing the garden but you get to hunt after you're done at turkey tracks and yep we try to get obviously as you know we try to take care of our clients yeah, first yeah, so. yeah, yeah. but yep then after that we uh we obviously have our own uh turkey opportunities that right, we go right. on. so i got a couple archery birds last year um overall our our, our population was down a little bit okay so it was a little bit tougher but um, i think yeah. of you people because i think y'all had a bad hatch like mm, two years ago yeah right? okay yep. Yeah, so I think I think you weren't alone in having to struggle a little bit out there around it because it wasn't just you; it was across the plains. I think Kansas may have had a tough hatch maybe two years ago too. So, did you get any other hunting in this year? So you got your, your turkey in. You got you tried deer. Tried deer. You did uh, a little upland maybe. You get a chance to do any upland hunting? Did a little bit upland. Um, got my mom out to actually shoot her first pheasant. That was really cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, did my rifle antelope? Got that. Okay. Um, and then went uh, Colorado elk rifle. That was a bust, but it was fun. Beautiful country up there. Is that where I get to say I killed my elk in Colorado this year? That was my segue into talk, that was in the, the segue into talking about me. That's how. <laughs> so Tom, how did uh, how'd your how'd your elk season go? My elk season was amazing. Please tell us about it. So, <laughs> so now where did you? I'll ask you, and then I'm gonna bounce back to me. <laughs> So where did you go in Colorado? Uh, in an undisclosed location. Well, uh, just well, you don't have to tell me where. Like northeast, southwest, um, northern part. Okay, because where I went is I fly into Denver, and I'm about three and a half hours. It's Cross Mountain Outfitters. It's Doyle Warrington, and I did archery. I don't know. I get this thing where I get obsessed with things, and so I had decided I was going to kill an elk with a bow, and I just wanted to kill a bull with a bow. So it took me three years to do it. And I was able to get it done this year, and we were filming for Bowhunter TV, which was cool. 
And we were fortunate, long story short, we had a bull on top of the mountain, bull on the bottom, and we were trying to get between them. So the guy just takes off, and I'm going with him, and we're fighting through all this brush. And the bull gets beside us, and he's only like 100 yards away, so he starts giving me hand signals. We jump in the opening. It's only like 15 yards across. Kind of make eye contact with the camera guy. He drops off to my right. I'm uphill. He's downhill like 10 yards from me. The bull pops out in front of the camera guy like at 15 yards, full frame, and my arrow comes in from off screen, and the lighted knock looks like a, a laser from Star Wars. And it goes, <laughs> That's about 200 yards, just crashed down the hill. I was like, that was amazing. And the best part was the footage, because if, if somebody asked me to film, I actually tried to make good TV, and I was trying, and so I was super happy about that, too. So That's I had a good, awesome. I had a good elk season. Nice bowl? Yeah, he's a nice 5x5. Five five. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have shot a spike. Actually, it was. I have a funny story about that, because the day before, we had sat on a water hole, and a bull spike came down, and he was still in velvet. <laughs> and my guide, I've known him for a few years now, he kept kicking the bow out of my lap. He'd reach over and tap it where I couldn't reach it because he knew I was beating to shoot it. And we got done, and I was like, dude, I was just going to tell everybody I shot an elk in full velvet. They weren't going to ask me if it was a spike. <laughs> he was like, what is wrong with you? I'm a shooter, man. I ain't out here to watch. <laughs> so I almost had a, a, a full velvet elk this year. Almost. <laughs> that was my goal. It's better than no elk. <laughs> exactly. That, see, I'm one of those first day shooters. I ain't into this. I don't know. Maybe I can kill a bigger one. Right. Wrong answer. Absolutely. Get him down and irritate everybody in camp the rest of the week. That's, that's me. I'm that guy. I am inspiring to be like you, Tom. <laughs> I am that guy. Everybody's like, oh, he might be bigger. Oh, he shot already. <laughs> Get me back to camp. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, um, waterfowl season, our, our geese, you know, just got down. Okay. It's been pretty warm, so they just haven't been migrating like they normally do. And finally yeah. got cold enough cold enough up north so do you get uh any type of like uh, mallard flight into your part of the in the, in the like the black hills that part of the state over there you know or? we usually go further east okay um you know over to pier or <laughs> other places why are you going to panama city i don't understand there's a pier there right there what's cool about uh foster if you follow foster on instagram right you shot cam right oh yeah yeah, yeah and there's he's got some video of those geese flying yeah, he, in yes and so most of us shoot at the geese right and foster you see him you see the little crosshairs on the shot cam and he's on the bird and then he goes eh, let me shoot it in the head <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm the worst too because i'm like done the body shot that's why every time i shoot at the goose all you see is like a little down floats down as he's flying away because all i did was like clip some feathers out of his butt <laughs> It's a great learning tool for not only trap shooting, uh, but hunting as well. It's super easy to use, and yeah, there's some really cool clips, so um, I Foster Barthelow on Instagram. I think I was thinking that yesterday. You showed me like three of those clips, and I was thinking the same thing that you just brought up, like as I was watching it, like that would be a good learning tool for me, because then when I, because invariably, like I would have those crosshairs like on his belly. <laughs> right. Well, you think about the whole aim small, miss small, but you only think about that as a rifle. A lot of times you don't think about that as a shotgun. Yeah. Nope, you learn a lot about leads, um, you know, and what you can improve on. <laughs> That's a long list for me. <laughs> one step at a time here. <laughs> you got any fishing trips planned this summer? Do you do much fishing during the summer, or are you too busy with your... Uh... I usually make it out a couple times with my dad for walleyes, but... That's what I was going to ask. Like, so, so you do most of that, like, just in South Dakota, obviously. So you're fishing walleyes there. 
any other species that is prominent during the summer during the regular fishing months or I, I don't know much about fishing in south dakota is why i was asking because i'm yeah. always curious because i like to go fishing wherever i can i mean we have trout that's just not my game so um but walleye love walleye fishing and my wife actually got a banded walleye last year what yeah that's it, pretty cool was it one of the state banded ones where they were just yep. trying to keep up with like well, i don't know what, what what would their research be for that that's above my pay grade for that because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like they put it like in a big state lake and they're just trying to monitor like how long it lives or if they were trying to monitor whether it changed like geography and like, lived in the north part of the lake or however that worked i don't know very well i'm could just be. curious like what their research might be on that probably more uh, age and growing rates and I, that could very well be and that probably actually sounds more that might makes more sense than anything that i stupidly said a minute ago <laughs> Sometimes like, a well, quick that, answer. That fish is migrating across that lake. No, <laughs> he's swimming in the lake, you fool. That that should have been your reply the when I said migrates. that. Yeah. Did he like swim down from the north end of the lake? No, you idiot. He's swimming. <laughs> idiot. It's fun though, going out fishing, just having fun. Cool. Well, you got anything else for us here? We uh, we've talked about all of your seasons. We did your trap shooting season. How was your turkey season? Uh, you know, turkey season was rough. Uh, most people I talked to this year, as you progressed to north, like every, every, everything in the south started out bad because they were all still wintered up, man. They were still in flocks. They weren't, like, terribly responsive to calls. And, man, so it, it was, like, sit and grind it out, it, which is not my preferred style of turkey hunting. I'm not really running gun guy, but I like to work them a little bit. And, man, having to sit in the flocks and everything. So the, most of the people I talked to that had, like, really hot seasons were upstate. Uh, Wisconsin, upstate New York, like that northern part. And that was just toward the end of their season, so it got right with them. So I had an okay season. I, I did. I killed another Osceola with John and Gina down in Florida. So we got that filmed for Addicted to the Outdoors, and then I got to take one down with Mr. Dernberger. We got filmed for the break. I probably didn't give him the greatest footage this year. I usually try to be a little better about that. but <laughs> Well, he wasn't waiting for it to get into the, film, get into the frame. <laughs> I was frustrated. I was having a bad year, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we got some good hero shots, maybe. <laughs> well, it was a unique hunt because you had to, you know, the turkey was out feeding. It was really yeah. windy that day, right? Yep. And we couldn't hear any gobbling, so we just decided to start walking. And we spotted one. Yeah. So you and the professor went after it. And James and I sat up on the hill to video from up high. But... Uh, you snuck through all the CRP or just the, yeah. the switch grass. The, the, the one cool part was it did get it flopping after I shot because, like, the footage was cool because where they got up on the hill, like, we're, we're falling off and the, and the grass is about three feet high there. And the bird is strutting, like, in, a, in where, like, a, a road path that kind of wraps around the field right there. And so he's strutting in there. So we, like, go in reaping. Like, we're kind of strutting in, strutting in. Like, I mean, y'all do that out there all the time. It's it's a little more difficult for us to do it most of the time. But it was cool because, like, he had the video of me and the professor, like, sliding down the hill. And then when I shot, you saw all these times start flopping. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Using the uh, Browning TSS? Uh, actually, this year I was just using the regular standard shot. So I wasn't – they sent me some TSS. But I'm one of those people that if I haven't put, like – a few rounds through yet so this year i have shot it so now i'm comfortable with the pattern i like to actually know what my pattern is like it 
5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Like, I'm a crazy person like that. No, it's good you say that. I think that's another thing that we could talk about that most people don't do is patterning their shotguns. Yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, it's not just that, I mean, you don't, you're not really tweaking, you're just learning. Like, what is my kill radius on that? Like, where, where am I going to get, like, a good solid uh, pellet count, like, on the skull, basically. So that's why I was uncomfortable with it because I was like, man, I just hadn't had time to put those things through the gun yet. So They shoot great and they <laughs> kill Yeah, oh, yeah, dead. after I shot it, I was oh, like, man. whoa. I was like, oh, man. Now, now, the problem with me now is I'll be, like, thinking I'm Superman. <laughs> oh, he's 80. Ooh, if I hold it tight, I got him. That's going to be my problem with those things. Good luck, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, he's really going to uh, wonder how crazy we are because we're going to do it with a 410 this year. We? <laughs> well, I. He is. He. he. He misspoke. He didn't say he right. He <laughs> is going to use a 410. I'm using landmines and hand grenades. <laughs> Three and a half inch? Yes. That's the only way to go. I told somebody the other day, the only reason I don't shoot a force because they don't make one. <laughs> ten gauge? <laughs> yes. I want ten. Oh, yeah. Everything I can pump through it, man. I, I, I tell people, the story's funny because my 10-year-old self, I, I know I've told Derek, when I was 10, my dad took me, and it was a little bit of a run and gun experience. And I actually use this as a cautionary tale with people with young kids. So we, we get set up on the bird, and he's climbing up a hill in a holler, and we're in the timber. And he sticks his head up, and my dad's like, kill him. And the bird, like, runs off. He's gone. As a 10-year-old, I thought that that whole sequence of events took place in .001 seconds. I thought, there's no way I'll ever kill one of these things. I'm done. Like, I didn't go back for years. It ruined me because, like, I, I thought, I didn't think they were, you could kill them. And I cried. And, like, now that I'm older and I can kill them, I'm taking vengeance. Like, oh, you made me cry? All right, eat this. Bam. Everybody's like, you kill one with a bow? No. They ain't gonna. <laughs> Because the best thing I ever, or one of the better changes I ever made to my turkey hunting habits is I started shooting that Maxis turkey hunting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd reach out there and tap them with that thing, man. <laughs> I'm like, come get some of this. Pow. My wife is using the 20-gauge silver. Oh, nice. That is a turkey-killing machine. I bet. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's how my... No, I'm not, I can't do it. I was gonna. I was about to say I might try to do a season with the 20 gauge, but no, I need to blow them up. It makes me feel better. I sleep better at night. Yeah, we're gonna do the the 410 BPS. Use that Indian Creek choke tube, yep. and then the Browning TSS 410 load, and prove to everybody you can still kill them at 40 yards with that. <laughs> I wish y'all seen the face last year when Aaron had sent me like the TSS, and she included a box of 410. I was like, am I supposed to do this? <laughs> I'm like, she's just messing with me. She knows I'm mad at turkeys. I'm trying to put all I can in them. That's your water moccasin load. <laughs> you know what? I do have uh, a, a weapon that that might work perfectly in for water moccasins now that you bring that up. I'm inspiring to be a turkey hunter like you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to be like me or not. Have, but. have you done uh, like the 410, 16, 20? No, I have thought about it. I have a really good friend. Uh, that has done the Grand Slam with 12, 20, Sweet 16, 410, and his bow. And his muzzleloader. I forgot about that. No kidding. Yes. So he. So that's kind of cool. Like so there's someone out there that shoots more turkeys than you? Well, you're going to laugh. He and I text back and forth like every year, like, bang, I got you, bang, I got you, bang, I got you. And so he got me last year, but I got him the year before. 
But it's funny, like, well, it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> we were sitting there talking, doing the math, and it was like over the last five years, he and I have killed like over 100 turkeys. <laughs> I'm lucky to get one. <laughs> oh, it's just, that's why I said it's embarrassing. I probably shouldn't even say it out loud. But, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I, 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 I do a lot of my marketing stuff remotely, so I just conveniently schedule trips to go visit the break and go visit the district of the outdoors. Like, it's work. Working. Working hard, man. I'm on the road. I'm tired. I'm working. Someday. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the, uh, the bet, now, I will say, it's so cool, though, that you can go across the country and see yeah. all these different areas. That's what I like about it. It really is. It does. For me, like, it started out, like, really just trying to kill more turkeys. Like, you know, the opportunity to get more tags in this state, you know, because you go to, uh, like, Missouri. If I go hunt the first week in Missouri, I've only got one tag. So then I've got to move on, and if I draw a tag in Iowa, I can only kill one there. <coughs> so what I was trying to do is, like, the way it started out, I was trying to go to different states just so I could turkey hunt more because I'd kill one here and I'd be up done here but as it evolved it became more because like the guys I hunt with at Derek like we do a lunch cookout on opening day every year and I look forward to it it's so cool we go and we do a fish fry and we sit out there because you, you have to stop hunting at noon and so we come out do the fish fry we have a good time and if we need to get after them the next day and we've only had to do that once <laughs> <laughs> but then you start to get to know the people and so after I left Derek this year, we went and filmed with Brad Miller for Country Boys Outdoors. And I've gotten to know his big brother and some of his friends from up home. And so that's kind of cool. They'll come over for a cookout one night and you get to see them. So like you're saying, you get to go see different parts of the country. After you get a chance to go back a few times, then you get to know the people and that adds to the fun. So as much as I hate to admit it, it's not all about the killing the turkeys anymore. I, you know, I want to kill them all. But you know the experience has become more important to me you know i guess that just means i'm getting old is probably all that means uh, <laughs> well it's cool to see too how the different turkey subspecies interact oh different it, calling different absolutely gobbling, yes one thousand colorations one thousand percent it's so cool in the like even up in like when we go to brad's place he lives like in the northeast corner of indiana and we're able to hunt three states out of his lodge it's like the longest drive we have is like 20 minutes and that's to Michigan and then it's over to Ohio and we can hunt Indiana too and so we get up there and you can even see a difference in even though they're all Easterns the birds in Michigan act differently than the birds in Ohio and they're only 30 minutes away from each other so I think that there's a learning curve that you know it's a little it's not as steep for me because I'm fortunate enough to be able to go a little more every year than a lot of people are but, man, you see that, and then it's something you follow away, you follow away. You're like, man, I've never seen a turkey do that before. Middle note, check, check, and you start doing all that. So there's a, there's a, something positive in being able to learn all of that stuff by seeing all that and having all the bad experiences that I have because I have a lot of those. Like, everybody always hears about all of them. I mean, how many did you kill? Oh, I had a pretty good year. I killed half a dozen or something like that. And then I leave out all the bad stuff. <laughs> like all the misses, I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the best is when you're the only one like on a farm on any given morning and you shoot and miss and you don't have to answer any questions. Like, did you shoot? <laughs> what are you talking about? So if nobody's there, nobody's asking you, hey, did you shoot? What are you talking about? I didn't shoot. How <laughs> was the morning seeing turkeys? Nah, man. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God I heard a shot. Nope, wasn't me. <laughs> I actually have a fun, a really funny story about that. I was up at Don and Candy Kiskey's in Iowa one year, and they had some friends up, and we were on the same farm kind of, and I was like in the birds, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
this this would be a good shooting lesson here because now that I'm more aware of it, I, I make the adjustment. But I went through a stretch of about five years where I missed, good grief, I was missing at least two birds a year. And I started trying, like in my head, I'm ticking back through, like what was the problem? What was it like? What what's an, what was common with all these? And it was me shooting downhill, steep downhill. I wasn't getting on the dang stock. I was just like pulling my barrel down and I was shooting high on everything. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten better about that. But that morning I had not put two and two together yet. And so I had shot like three times. <laughs> and we got, and I'm telling you, those guys weren't 250 yards away from me. And we get back to the lodge. You shoot today? Nope. You sure? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. I ain't seen anything. Are you sure? I poacher, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't even there. I was like, oh, it's out of the farm. You've never done that either, right, Derek? No. You've never, you've never missed. <laughs> never. That's the funny part. Every time I hear a turkey hunter go, oh, I've never missed. <laughs> okay. Either A, you aren't a turkey hunter, or B, you are a liar. Because anybody that's ever shot at a turkey's missed one. This is what it is. Dang right. <laughs> that's why they call them ghost, man. It's like, well, how did I miss that thing? Oh, well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I do want to thank Mr. Foster Bartholow for – I can't even talk anymore. Man, do you three days it's shot, and I'm just toast here. Anyway, I would like to thank Mr. Foster Bartholow here. You can find out more about him and his schools at – Trapshootingbros.com or check me out on Instagram at Foster Bartholow. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank Mr. Derek Dernberger for producing the show today and keeping us out of the ditches. This is the Browning Trail Cameras Takeover at SHOT Show 2020 of the Break Podcast. Hope everybody has a safe day, and we'll talk to you later. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Break Podcast.